from 970 WATH. Well, I was having a nice chat with a lovely lady on the phone just a few minutes ago, and I bet you can't figure out who it was. Maybe you can. It was Kim Valentour, one of the hosts of Make It Happen here on 970 WATH. Well, the sun is shining, so it has to be Wednesday And we have to have the lovely, sunshiny voice of Kim Valentour on today because uh, Ruth's sunshiny voice won't be with us today. So uh, with that, we welcome the sunshine in the atmosphere and 68 degrees and sunny and also the sunshine on the radio airwaves with Kim Valentour and her guests this morning, Lonnie Mon, and uh, she is the project manager for the I See With Vision to Learn Vision van. And also joining us will be Dr. Shane Foster, who is an optometrist at Athens Eye Care and also the president of the Ohio Optometric Association, past president of the Ohio Optometric Foundation. And guess what we're going to be talking about? Yes, vision, but we're going to talk about children's eye health and vision screening. So uh, with that, uh, I was going to say, Kim, let's see... What they have to talk about <laughs> this <All> morning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell Dr. Foster and Lonnie about your your very professional sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> and the introductions uh, that never cease to amaze me, whatever comes out, too. Oh, right, so, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> How are Thank you all doing? Do- <laughs> yes. How are you all doing this morning? Great. I'm well, it's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, I we're glad. We all are timing in. We're all good, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm glad we have you all in here this morning, and uh, again, uh, let's talk about what we have here on the docket for uh, Make It Happen This Morning on this uh, last summer day. Boo-hoo. But anyway. I know. That's, oh. that's beside the point. I'm just you thankful. To bring it up. Yes, you I'm just. to bring it up. Yes, I'm <laughs> thankful I can see the last day of summer. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's all God. yours. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you, Scott, and thank you for making that introduction because we are so grateful that both uh, Lonnie and Dr. Foster could be on here the same day on a a beautiful Wednesday morning, as you've already described. And we are going to be focusing on children's eye health and vision. And I guess just to get us started, because there is so much content, we will never get through it. The guests always think there's going to be so much downtime, but believe me, Way too much content for today, but I just want to get started because I remember at some point in my adulthood that I realized there is kind of a very distinct difference between 
examining and talking about a person, whether that's a child or adult, their eye health and their vision. And it's, it's really two types of services. While they may overlap, I, I wondered if, um, Dr. Foster, if you could just kind of give us a, a quick 101 about eye health versus a vision screening. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I think I would even break it down further into um, we talk about sight, which is actually the ability that, you know, that the eyes are working appropriately and you're able to uh, see images in the world. And then uh, vision takes it even a step further in that we are talking about how that um, the sight is interpreted by the brain. So vision is kind of taking all of that information in uh, that comes into the eye, sending it to the brain and getting it interpreted. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times people can see really well. They might see 2020. Um, everybody's heard of seeing 2020 on an eye chart. And you may be able to see 2020 but may still have problems um, with your eye health. So there are lots of patients that come into my practice who haven't had an exam for, you know, maybe a decade, and they're just coming to me because now they are having trouble seeing up close uh, because that happens to all of us in the somewhere in the 40s. So uh, that may be somebody's first um, entrance into my, uh, into my office. But what we often find is that the eye health has been neglected. So um, there, there's a big difference between being able to see well and then, you know, also making sure that we are screening for eye disease like glaucoma or macular degeneration. Um, but in children, we're talking about, you know, obviously children are typically not developing macular degeneration or glaucoma, although they can, but it's, it's very, very few of them. Uh, we're looking at more like things of how their eye muscles work together, how they're coordinated. Are they able to read on a page uh, and do that comfortably and clearly. Sometimes a child can see 2020, but they still have major problems with their vision. Yeah, that. Thank you for sort of clarifying those distinctions. And you're, I think you're so right with children. I mean, sometimes we think of children just being nothing but a younger version of an adult. So that a right. lot of the things we we know, whether it's macular degeneration or just a change in our vision and, and how we see. Um, and we don't think about those things with children. And I think sometimes children, their parents may not really be aware that a child may have, whether it's uh, reduced visual functioning, whether it's uh, actual sight, or somewhere along their development has been compromised because of either eye health or vision. So, you know, I'm, you know, how do we do that? Because when we look at recommendations for coming in for eye health screenings, I'm not really positive what age those should start, but should they start in childhood? Sure, absolutely. I mean, we, we recommend, and the American Optometric Association recommends that the first exam happen somewhere within that first year of life. So between 6 and 12 months old, uh, we recommend the first eye exam. And at that time, obviously, we're not asking them to say which is better, one or two. Um, not going to get a lot of responses <laughs> on that. Right. But, but we can really screen for some very serious eye problems, like an eye turn that might lead to lazy eye or amblyopia, um, or even a childhood a cancer called retinoblastoma that actually occurs um, in infancy. So uh, this program, you know, certainly there are uh, medical and vision insurances that cover eye exams, but the American Optometric Association has a progr program called Infant C. Uh, so nice little, another one of those nice little puns that we have in the in the uh, optometry world. Yeah. But infancy, 
is really a public health campaign to make sure that uh, you know, the goal is that every child born in the United States would have an eye exam in that first year of life so that we can screen for those uh, more serious problems. And then after that, if everything's normal, we usually recommend uh, around age three and then again around age five when children are going into kindergarten. And then once they're in school, uh, yearly eye exams at that point to just watch for any change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I just, you know, hope that that's a message that can go out on these airways loud and clear because I think you alluded to this in the very beginning is that sometimes unless the individual can very sort of dramatically know that there's something not right with their vision or their sight, um, they, they might think that their eyes are perfectly healthy. Right. Right. You know, and we, I, we do that a lot with a dental health. You know, if we don't have any cavities or don't have any pain, we think we don't need to go for those preventive checks. But I am a big proponent of public health, as you mentioned, and preventive checks. Right. And so with children especially, they, they, they often don't know how to express how they're seeing. Uh, they may think that they're seeing just fine because they don't know what it's like to see clear versus blurry. So if a child's seeing blurry and they just assume that everybody sees the world that way, especially the youngest children. So I think parents often, you know, they'll say, hey, can you see okay? And the child says, sure, you know, because they don't know the difference. So I think Mm -hmm. it's really important to keep up with, um, you know, really comprehensive exams for children, you know, once a year, once they're in that school age. And I think the other uh, misconception is, we talk about when is the last time your child has had an eye exam, and they'll say, oh, well, they had one at school, or they had one at the pediatrician's office. Well, those are vision screenings, and vision screenings are certainly important, but it's not a comprehensive eye exam. So when you go to an um, optometrist or an ophthalmologist, they're going to really do a full assessment of the eye health and the visual function, whereas a vision screening, uh, which are done in schools and at pediatrician's offices, are really just I'm just saying, can you see this eye chart okay? And it is truly, as it sounds, a screening. We're not checking for every single eye condition. It's just a screening to see if there may be some kind of concern that that child would then be referred on for a comprehensive eye exam. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, too, when children do have um, eye health or vision problems, um, and it may not be apparent because they may not know how to express it or explain it, um, it can affect their daily living, it can affect their ability to learn, it can affect their school performance, maybe their behavior. Certainly. Yeah, I, kind of the statistics that you hear and things that we know in our industry that the, the general public doesn't hear is that one in four school-age children has a vision problem that may impact their ability to learn. And that may be a problem that's not easily detected in a vision screening. That could be a problem with their eye muscles or their coordination. And 80% of what we learn every single day comes through our eyes. So that's a really powerful number that yeah. you know, if, if your vision isn't working properly, uh, how are you expected to learn anything? You know, we see a lot of these kids with vision problems are mislabeled with attention deficit problems or learning disabilities, dyslexia, when it may be a vision problem that's to blame and maybe something that could be really easily treated. Mm-hmm. So 80% of our learning is acquired right. through the supportive vision. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is, that's huge. That's huge. I'm yeah. sort of sitting here with my mouth open. So let yeah. me just follow up that quote with another question though. Are there personnel teachers, for example, in school systems 
that has any kind of training, not to like really evaluate or diagnose eye health, but to sort of at least become suspicious that there might be um, an, an visual problem that could be affecting a child's work so that they can bring it to the attention of the student or the parent? Or is this just something we sort of need to continue to ingrain into parents' minds that once a year, once your kid hits school, you really should have a professional eye health exam in you know, a clinical setting? Right. I think it's, it's a little bit of both. You know, I think we need to have that public health education out there that says this is an important thing. It's like getting a physical. You know, you take your, your child for the well child visit, uh, get their you know, regular checkups to make sure everything's developing normally. We need to do the same thing when it comes to the eyes because, again, these children don't often know that something is actually going wrong. They just assume that, that that's the way everybody else sees the world. But school nurses, teachers, all the school staff, you know, they spend hours and hours a day with these children, and they are often one of the first indicators that there's a problem. You know, they can see how this child is performing in class, whether they're squinting, um, whether they rub their eyes a lot and they're getting headaches. Uh, they may honestly be distracted or be um, somebody who fidgets a lot or wants to bother their neighbor in class because they're having trouble seeing things. So uh, a lot of these kids uh, again, like I said, they're mislabeled with attention deficit disorder or, or some kind of learning disability because they simply just can't see the words on the page or the words on the smart board, and they have trouble with that. And um, it's often seen as a behavioral issue when really it could be a vision issue. So certainly any kind of um, school staff that notices uh, that kind of issue with a child, it, it's really um, suggested that they get a comprehensive eye exam to check everything out thoroughly. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And you're right. I'm sure there have been lots of, of individuals who've had um, incorrect labels, per se, because mm -hmm. of, you know, not really detecting uh, vision health and eye health problems. Yeah. Right. So we're talking a lot about schools. Now, Lonnie, you're still out there, right? <laughs> and I understand that there is kind of a unique service maybe being offered in our area for schools. And I really want to hear more about that. Sure thing. Yes, I'm still here. No problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, starting last September, um, we have a, a program here in southeastern Ohio called the I See with Vision to Learn program. And we are a traveling eye doctor's office, if you will, that works with the different school districts in the area. Um, we go out, we help with uh, vision screenings, and then we're also able um, then to come and do the follow-up for any of those kids who didn't pass their screenings to do the um, full comprehensive eye exam right there at the school. Um, and if it's determined that a student does need glasses, we're able to also provide those for the student as well, all free of charge. Uh, so we're just starting our second year um, out and about in southeastern Ohio. And it's been, um, it's been very eye-opening, not to add to all the puns, but <laughs> um, the things that we're seeing and the, the shoulders that we're getting to rub with the parents and the teachers and the nurses um, who've really started to point out some of the things you've already talked about, um, that they've had concerns about kids and they've wondered if it might be a, an eye problem, but didn't really have the resource to, to provide to the parent or to just have that double check. So Dr. Foster was instrumental in um in getting the program down to this area of Ohio 
and we're so grateful to be here. Yeah, that's I wanted to ask you, is this um, unique just to our area, or is it modeled after other communities in Ohio or elsewhere? Sure. So Vision to Learn is a national nonprofit based out of California, actually. So they started uh, the Vision Van program in 2012, and um, our, the founder of uh, Vision to Learn is a superintendent, actually. So he had heard quite a bit from the teachers and the parents about the needs of the children. And um, when he realized that so many of the concerns that parents and teachers had could be addressed by a simple pair of glasses, uh, he really went with that. And from there, it's grown. Uh, we are now in 15 different states in the District of Columbia. And then here in Ohio, we started just last September. Um, and we are mainly based um, in the Appalachian counties right now, but we're hoping to expand. Okay. So it's more than just Athens County. Correct. Yep. It's all the um, Appalachian County, which is most of uh, southeastern Ohio. Okay. Okay. And Dr. Foster, how are you able to be so persuasive to be to you know get this service in Appalachia or in Athens County for sure? <laughs> well, I guess uh, I'm because I'm pretty passionate about this. Um, you know, being from the area, I grew up in Athens County, and um, I know about the issues with resources. Um, and we we live in an area that is. Um, bountiful and many riches, um, the beauty that we have in the, in the landscape and our natural resources. Um, but certainly there are some issues with this being one of the poorest counties in, in the state. So um, I, I see firsthand in my practice that there are children that are not receiving the care that they need. And sometimes it's not even just a financial issue. Um, certainly that's, that's part of the problem. But uh, under the Affordable Care Act and through the state Medicaid program, all children are covered, have vision care covered as an essential benefit. So the financial barrier really isn't there. Uh, what we do find is that there are a lot of other barriers. So in this area, we may have children um, uh, that are raised by single parents or even raised by grandparents, and uh, they may not have the transportation or uh, or other resources to get those kids to the eye doctor. And so that's what we really found is it's, it's not always a financial thing. It can be a physical barrier, not having a vehicle, a reliable transportation, or just not having parental follow through. So bringing this program to the children in the school was our goal because then we eliminate that physical barrier, the transportation issue too. Right. So um, I'm part of the Ohio Optometric Foundation, and we've been doing an in-school eye exam program all across the state um, for the last 15 years. But it was run by uh, volunteers and um, solely by donations from industry partners. So it was one of those things that was um, a little um, – it, it wasn't to the scale that we need it to be to be able to serve all of these kids. So the key player in this, you know, I would have to argue is, is the foundation for Appalachian, Ohio. And I think most of the listeners in this area will be familiar with their good work. The foundation for Appalachian, Ohio does amazing work all throughout the 32 Appalachian counties of Ohio. And they had a donor that was very interested in providing access to eye care uh, across the entire region. And uh, FAO came to the Ohio Optometric Foundation and they went to Vision to Learn and tried to learn more about how they could incorporate this program in in a rural, um, sparsely populated area. Because <laughs> Vision yeah. has been in 
typically more urban settings or, or higher uh, population dense areas. So um, they really brought all the partners together and said Vision to Learn has this, this history of providing this, um, this mobile eye care all across the country. And then the Ohio Optometrics Foundation has been doing this program, you know, within the state for years and has the local connections with local optometrists, with the local school through some of our other uh, school-based education programs. And putting these three partners together has really made this an enormous success. Uh, we, we kind of have, uh, you know, played up the, the strengths of each partner to really make this program um, explode. And, you know, we've had great successes last year, even despite COVID and having trouble getting into the schools. Um, but we, you know, did over 1,800 eye exams yes, wow. last year. Wow. So it's, it's, and we expect to do even more than that this year. So it's, mm -hmm. it's just been a really phenomenal partnership uh, to, to really make sure these kids are getting access to the care they need. Yeah, it sounds absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, there's so many things, too, that affect a child's, you know, ability to learn um, and to develop, and certainly this is a, a key one. Now, Lonnie, you mentioned when you were describing the mobile service that if a child were to, say, not pass the vision screening or if there were other issues detected, you would do follow-up on that. Can you describe that follow-up? I mean, do you connect a child with an optometrist in their community? Do the optometrists actually travel with this mobile unit and see children, you know, in the schools? Or, or how does that work or how can it work? Sure. So, yeah, we have a large sprinter van <laughs> that's about the size of it um, that has a one-lane um, vision exam equipment in, inside. And so we actually pull our van up to a school and any of the kids who did not pass their vision screening, um, the, the nurse coordinates them to come out and they will meet with our, um, our optician who travels on the van as well as an optometrist um, that is doing the, the full exam just like they would get at an eye doctor's office. Oh, now, wow. okay. <laughs> um, to be transparent, so if something is identified that the, the van doesn't have the um, correct equipment or um, sometimes things are identified that the, the child should really have follow-up every three, six months or so. Uh, the optometrists on the van, they for every county that we go to, we do have um, connections. If there is an optometrist in the county, sometimes there are no optometrists in the county, but we, we try to um, link them to someone who can then perform that additional um, follow-up. And so there's a referral process that we do have in place. But um, nope, out on the van, though, the van pulls up to, to each school building, and um, from we're able to do quite a bit just out there, um, as well as identify if they need glasses to take care of, to help them out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's amazing. Now, when it comes to kids, though, who need to wear glasses, is that ever a problem, <laughs> like getting them to wear them? Are there tricks of the trade? I'm just imagining... You know, like if my children needed glasses when they were younger, you know, my daughter, yeah, probably my son. I don't know how I could have convinced him to, like, keep those little guys on. Yeah, so it's been kind of fun to watch, actually. So we we have everyone on the spectrum, from kids who, who want to fail their screening because they want glasses. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That's my daughter, the style, mm -hmm. right. 
for sure. So yeah, but there's a couple different things that we see on a regular basis. Um, the the frames that we have definitely help. <laughs> so we do have about a hundred different frames that the kids can pick from out on the van. So usually, and our optician is wonderful. So he is great at helping them find something that they um, are going to like. So hopefully that'll increase their chances of wearing them. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's been really cool as we've gone out. Um, as Dr. Foster mentioned earlier, though it's you know encouraged to have an eye exam when you're an infant. Obviously, you don't really remember that. Um, but then to really start seeing the, the eye doctor every year, starting when you're about five. So a lot of these kids, it's their first time um, having an eye exam. So it's kind of fun to have them come out. Usually they come out in pairs. Um, one's working with the optician and the other one is, is with the doc. And so there's kind of a buddy system going on. And it's fun to kind of eavesdrop on their conversations a little bit, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it's come out who they've been to the eye doctor and they have classes and they know um, the benefits of it. So they're kind of like coaching their little seven-year-old buddy with them. No, this is great. Like, you get to play a game in there. You get to look at a balloon. <laughs> like, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, it's kind of fun to, to see that, you know, kind of buddy system. And, and honestly, I think it's a great way for them to realize, like, going to an eye doctor is not a scary thing. It's kind of a fun thing, actually. <laughs> and wearing glasses is going to help you. You're, you're not a nerd, necessarily, or anything like that. Um, it, it has been helpful that uh, glasses are sort of in fashion. So we've had a number of kids come out um, with uh, their fashion glasses. <laughs> um, got it, got it, yeah. These don't have prescriptions in them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think there's a, a number of, uh, obviously, additional benefits that come with having the van out there. Plus, they have trusted people with them. So the, the nurses that they know, the teachers who are also championing them to have an exam because this is going to help them, whether it's, you know, behavioral issues or if they have had headaches or obviously if they can't, can't read, <laughs> things like that. So yeah. to also have that support system of, hey, the teacher knows you went out to the van. The teacher knows that you have glasses coming. Um, we order them. They come about two or three weeks after the, the van visits the school. And, yeah, they're there to help reinforce, like, hey, remember, you need to have your classes. And um, just additional educational information about classes. Um, it's kind of fun to, to listen. Our optician, again, is wonderful. And, and she'll explain to them things like, you know, these glasses are just for you. A lot of kids don't realize, you know, what a prescription is. And so they'll make comments like, oh, I, I tried my sister's glasses on, and they just didn't work for me. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, of course they didn't, dear. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so let's give you something, and these are just for you. <laughs> so right. It's been, a, it's been great to provide that additional educational piece as well. Yeah, that's great. Now, do do children, you know, in like elementary school, for example, do they ever wear contacts? Is that an option for them? Or is there a certain age that an individual must be before they could be introduced to that? Yeah, so I mean, I always tell parents that um, we can fit contact lenses on any age eye, you know, whether that be uh, nine or 90. Um, you know, really any eye should be able to wear contact lenses, assuming it's healthy. So um, we even have sometimes infants or toddlers in a contact lens if they have a severe eye problem that might cause problems later on in life. 
So uh, an infant? Did you say an infant? Yeah, in yeah. Wow. Even in my practice, we've had an infant in a contact lens because they had such a severe difference between the prescription in their eyes because one didn't develop uh, fully the way it should have. Uh, uh-huh. So we had to correct that to make sure that 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 eye didn't um, become a lazy eye or have amblyopia. So it's it's rare, but it does happen sometimes. Yeah. So. Actually, we're seeing more and more uh, younger kids go into contact lenses because there are, um, you know, I think when I was growing up, you know, if you were becoming nearsighted, there was just nothing you could do about it. They said, you're going to be nearsighted. That's just the way it is. You're going to have to wear glasses or contacts your whole life. Now we are, uh, research has discovered ways to help slow the progression of nearsightedness in children. So during those years when the eye is growing and you know, anybody who's nearsighted knows that they would go to the eye doctor every year or even every six months, and each time it got a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. Now, with special contact lenses or other um, contact lens devices, we can slow the growth of the eye and slow the progression of nearsightedness. So we actually do see a lot more kids uh, in contact lenses now. Now, certainly we don't, we don't do this on the, on the van if this is something that um, – we see a child progressing very rapidly or have a really high prescription, we would refer them to a local optometrist to do that. But yeah, I mean, really any age is okay. It comes more, it comes down more to the maturity level of the child and can they take care of the lenses? Uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a medical device and it is something that has some risk associated with it. So we have to make sure that the parents and the child both understand the risk and they're willing to, you know, practice good hygiene habits and good wearing habits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That all makes sense, um, it, but I'm still still sitting here, you know, right now thinking an infant with contacts. But yeah. um, you know that I'm I'm sure, like you said, it's probably not common. But no, wow, that rare. sounds really, really kind of intense thing to add to the parent list. Probably, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. yeah, but much needed. Um, and it's still, I think, such a mystery to those of us who aren't in your profession how you can evaluate and sort of assess the vision of an infant, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's not able to really communicate with you. Um, so go for the special equipment, right, and the, and the professional training. Yeah, I mean, it really, we can do an eye exam on anybody without any subjective feedback from the patient. We don't need to ask what's better, one or two. It just helps us get a more precise prescription. So in children, especially very young children, or, I mean, think about adults with developmental delays um, or nonverbal, uh, we, we might do an exam on them like we would on an infant or toddler because we want to get that objective finding. So we're taking measurements with our equipment in the office and getting the best possible prescription we can for their eyes without even getting any feedback from them. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay, I do have... Um, something I want to ask you. It's same topic, but slightly different. Um, as I was doing a little preparation for this morning program, I discovered that Colorblind Awareness Day happened recently this month and that it happens every year. And I just wanted to hear more about that and about the whole, the condition, if that's what you call it, mm-hmm. of colorblindness, whether that be in a child or an adult, because it's something I really don't hear or read much about, but then every once in a while you cross the path with somebody who says, mm-hmm. I'm colorblind. And, you know, I don't know if that particularly means they can see no color, that they only see in black right. and white, or 
how, you know, does that vary from person to person? Right. So we typically refer to it as color deficiency. So they're not truly blind to colors. Um, there are very, very rare exceptions um, where they might not have um, the ability to see any colors. But the vast majority of people with, the, with this are color deficient. And the vast majority are um, what we call red-green color deficient. So they might have t- trouble distinguishing between certain shades of red and certain, certain shades of green. They might kind of overlap with one another. And it's a congenital thing, meaning you're born with it, and it's just a, um, a genetic defect in the cells of the eye that detect color. So it is uh, way more common in males. So about um, 7 to 8% of males are actually color deficient. So it's rather common. But in females, it's less than 1%. And that's because of the genetics and that it's um, in what we call an X-linked uh, trait. So it's on the X chromosome, which um, because of the genetics of that, it typically um, affects males more frequently. So most people like get concerned about their child having color deficiency, but Honestly, the child usually doesn't know any different. They've grown up that way their entire life, so it doesn't affect them unless they're doing something, some career like being an electrician or a fighter pilot where they need to be able to distinguish those colors. Honestly, most people live a full, happy, healthy life and don't even <laughs> may not even know that they're color deficient. I have a lot of right. patients as adults that never even really realized it. Huh, that's so interesting. So if, a, if it's a genetic um, condition, something that a person is born with, mm-hmm. does it present itself right away? Are they, even if they don't know it, are they experiencing it from, you know, early childhood or is it something that doesn't really present itself till later? Like, yeah, they would be born with it. So, I mean, they're okay. experiencing colors from day one with, with that perception. So that's why truly these kids that are born with it don't, don't really notice the difference. Now there okay. are certain medications or diseases that can cause changes in the color perception later on in life as adults. And those are more debilitating, but they're really rare. Uh, so the vast majority of people with color deficiency were, are, are male and were born that way. Okay. Now, you, you, do, you did make me a little bit nervous, though, I have to say, with, if most of the color deficiency is associated. Did you say red and green? Yes. And I think of a traffic light. So do we have a uh, lot of men out here like <laughs> going through traffic lights because they can't distinguish the colors? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why they have the red at the top and the green at the bottom, because then you don't okay. really even need to see the color. Um, okay. But, but they, they do make sure that those shades of red and green are more easily distinguished than uh, for people with color deficiency. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and we can't blame it on any any male getting up in the morning, <laughs> my husband and with mismatched socks or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let them off the hook. Listen, we're gonna. We are already. It's ten forty already. We're winding down here. Um, we have another minute, and I. I just don't know um, if there's anything that uh, Lonnie, you or Dr. Foster would like to, again, give a message to the listening audience this morning, whether it's about the Zan or about the importance of child, you know, eye health screenings and vision screenings. Um, or anything that we just didn't get to that you thought we might before we have to close up? I'll just say that, yeah, the Vision Van, we we were in ten or nine counties last school year, and we're so far we're scheduled to be in eight counties this school year, and so you'll see us out and about on the road. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah, your children will be interacting with us during vision screenings or could be interacting with us 
And um, yeah, if you have questions or anything, we're happy to help. Um, and also, we're not just uh, we're not just for schools. So if there's any uh, groups out there, youth groups that have 15 to 20 kiddos who um, might need an eye exam, and um, we'd be happy to coordinate something. And uh, obviously, eye health is super important to us, and we want to make sure that we're reaching as many kids as we can so they can live, live um, a more fulfilling life. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And Dr. Foster, are you or any of your associates accepting new patients? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, every office in Athens County is accepting new patients, so we certainly want to make sure that these kids have access, well, and adults. Uh, obviously, their parents yeah. need eye care, too. Yeah. With children. And I, I mean, I think that's the last um, point that I would make is that Vision is so crucial into the learning process. As we said, 80% of what we learn comes through our eyes. So if they're not working and functioning properly, how do we expect kids to learn and, and be able to succeed? So, you know, in Ohio, we have a third grade reading guarantee. I think everybody knows about all the standardized tests and all those things. But what we don't have is a, is a third grade vision guarantee. And that's a real disservice to our, to our students um, and to all the children in Ohio. So, we're trying to bridge that gap and make sure that these children have access to um, a lifetime of good vision and, and healthy eyes so that they can succeed. Amen. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, yes. what are you seeing this morning? <laughs> yes, I, I am seeing very well, thanks to an optometrist, you know, and uh, so thank you both for being here on the show. And two things I wanted to add, and I know we have to go because we're short on time, but uh, one thing uh, was about the color. Uh, I know it's not called color blindness, color challenged, <laughs> or whatever that term was. Deficiency, yep. Thank you. Uh, so that just blew the excuse for many men around here that run red lights. So if, <laughs> if they get stopped, you're, you're busted right now, right, guys? And Lonnie, I want to tell you your description of making that vision van so much fun was was making me think where was all that when I was a kid. <laughs> but that that is just I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say you're welcome to come out and have a tour anytime you'd like. <laughs> and be a kid again, right? Right. Well, you know, I I do think I I had uh, vision correction needs when I was a child. And uh, I remember thinking that when I heard uh, my eye doctor say to my mother, he needs glasses. I remember thinking, oh, how cool. I'll get to wear something really cool. You know, and then for those of you listening out there that have worn glasses for a lot of your life, yeah, they can be a little bit uh, in the way at times. And I played a lot of sports, so I had to wear the old uh, glasses strap at the time. But uh, when you mentioned about children getting contact lenses at younger ages, I thought, boy, oh, boy, where was that when I was a kid? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because your glasses get knocked around playing a lot of sports. But, uh, again, tremendous services, um, you know, that you provide here for school children. And uh, one more quick thing. You may have mentioned this already, but is is this vision van free of charge, Lonnie? It is. The the exams are free as well as the glasses, and we actually do provide replacement glasses. As we know, 
like you just mentioned, kids get bumped around playing sports or in gym class or they get lost in moves and things. So everything is uh, definitely free of charge, though. Wow, what a blessing, indeed. So, yes, uh, folks, if you're listening in, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, encourage your children to take advantage of these wonderful programs uh, that Dr. Foster supports and uh, Lonnie Mon too. So again, we thank all of you. And uh, I can certainly see better because of an optometrist. And I've had a few eye injuries, and uh, they have been just wonderful in uh, restoring health to my vision. And uh, very thankful for that because, uh, you know, the old saying, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Well, I I lost vision in, in um, my left eye when I was hit with a baseball uh, when I was playing baseball at OU. And I'll tell you what, it is not a pleasant experience. And uh, so wonderful optometrists, uh, doctors took care of me and uh, in good shape now. And uh, I wish to thank you, too. And Dr. Foster, if I may say this on a personal note, thank you for helping uh, my mother uh, as much as you have there, too. So uh, if I can add that in. Uh, if, and if not, if I can't add it in, well, it's too late. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> so so thank you both for being here on the show with Kim. And uh, Kim, I, I trust that we'll see each other on the radio, right? We'll see right. each other. Well, I had to do exactly it. That's exactly right. I had to see do you it. next week. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. you. Yes, thank you, Dr. Foster, and thank you. Lonnie Mon for a, a wonderful thing that you provide to children here in our community. And uh, Kim, we'll talk to you uh, a week from today and, and Ruth possibly too. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, all right. Thank you again. Thank you all for joining us here on a wonderful edition of Make It Happen on 970 WATH. All three of you, thank you again. Have a wonderful, blessed day, week, weekend, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank- Bye. You bet. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Make it happen here on 970 WATH as we continue on in just a few moments. It is 12 minutes until 11 o'clock, and party line has already happened. Make it happen has already happened. And what's happening next? It's a happening sentimental journey show coming up in minutes. Stay tuned. For over 45 years, Curtis Auto Repair and Towing has served the Athens area. But did you know they also have a high-quality auto repair and maintenance shop at their Columbus Road